All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Prepper Talk Radio. We've got myself, Paris Clough, Shane, and Scott all in the house today. We're super excited to bring some, uh, some information to you about prepping through the ages. And uh, we have special guests today, actually. We're going to have Joe Rogan and Randall Carlson on the show today. So it's super excited. We're super excited to have them on and talk to them for a minute. definitely want to make sure that you guys are involved with our community. We're having so much fun getting to know people in our Facebook group and in our email lists at our preppertalkradio.com at our website. We've got a lot of great links there, great resources for everybody and anybody that wants to know more about how to be better prepared, how to be ready, how to stay ready and get ready and be ready and be ready minded. And we have resources, uh, especially where we want to help people understand how to be better prepared with God, family and country. So we're going to talk about today, um, let me do prepping a quick through thing. the ages. Yeah, prepping through the ages. It's going to be so cool. So do you want to bring uh, Joe Rogan and, and Randall Carlson on first? And, let's, and, do uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see what we've got here. Let's, let's see what they have to say. All right. So let me just preface this uh, really quickly with um, this is a, a video that Joe Rogan and Randall Carlson did in 2015. And he's talking about how throughout time they've or their research has shown that geologically there is evidence and proof of a flood and there's a world there was a at one point the geological record proves that there was a flood and uh that he now knows that if this is true if these myths or these stories about the flood are true then maybe the characters maybe some of the other stuff that's involved with that is also true so let's see what uh what we have here and we'll get into that and then we'll talk about it after of course, we, we're most familiar with the story of Noah's Ark, you know, because of the Judeo-Christian tradition. But there are hundreds, literally hundreds of stories from all over the world that parallel the story of Noah. Deucalion, uh, Zisithrus, Utnapishtim, um, Manu, uh, the list goes on and on of these culture heroes that somehow had foreknowledge of this impending disaster and were able to take steps to preserve themselves, their family, some diverse cross-section of, of species, um, hmm. which, and they all have this, you know, similarity. They all parallel. Now, my way of looking at it is this, okay. We now know from the hard geological record that massive floods have taken place on the surface of the earth, massive floods, right? Beyond anything that we have even imagined, right? Up until a decade or a few decades ago, they're real. Okay. On the other hand, we have stories and myths and legends repeatedly. It's probably the most ubiquitous of all the stories that we've inherited from the past is the story of this gigantic world-destroying flood that occurred, right? Now, on the one hand, we have the geological, hard geological record, which shows there were giant floods. Then we have these epic tales and myths from all over the world about giant floods. Do we now dismiss those floods, those, those stories out of hand and say, oh, that's just superstitious, preliterate, you know, pseudoscientific nonsense. I think we'd be making a big mistake to do that. Now, if we accept that those flood stories, and maybe they have been altered through the time and through the telling, represent something real. What about the other, other uh, elements of the story? The fact that um, in so many cases, there was somebody that had foreknowledge. Do we dismiss that out of hand as well? You know, or where does that come from? That there was one group of people, small group of people that saw this thing coming and prepared for it 
and others who basically paid no attention. Maybe they were just preppers. Maybe they're just the preppers uh, of 10,000 years ago. The preppers like those, of 10,000 years ago. those TV shows. That explains it right there. <laughs> so there we go. The preppers of 10,000 years ago. Those are the ones that were ready and had the foreknowledge and were prepared and were able to survive a lot of these huge catastrophic events. And absolutely, preppers have in mind catastrophic events. There's there's different levels of catas- catastrophic events. There's these huge floods, there's fires, there's earthquakes, there's tornadoes, there's hurricanes. But then there's also the smaller uh, catastrophic events in each one of our lives, losing a job, losing a loved one. You know, you know, financial ruin, health concerns, all kinds of catastrophes. But those that have foreknowledge, those that are prepared, I love that. <laughs> Joe Rogan didn't even miss a beat. Maybe it isn't usually a- right. Yeah, but you know, the the uh, issue I think there with me is that okay, um, what knowledge do I have? What foreknowledge do I have of what's coming? Um, I have some uh, faith, I guess. I don't know if I have any particular knowledge or wisdom or anything like that of what's coming, but. Uh, uh, I have a suspicion, right? Um, and maybe foreknowledge is not the right word to use for me. Uh, and maybe prepper is not the right word to use for them either, right? Because uh, yes, Noah was pretty much a doomsday prepper. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty easy to see. Um, but, you know, he had the knowledge because he got it directly from God, right? Um, but in being um what's the right way to this analogy um with looking to the past you know i always say this look to the past to prepare for the future right yeah the best way and i wrote this down the best way the best predictor of the future is the past so Mm -hmm. i guess we do have knowledge right i guess we do have foreknowledge if we compared noah's day to our day we have knowledge of what's going to happen maybe it's not gonna be a big flood but some other kind of disaster well, and if you if you take it you know, along those same lines, <clears throat> and you apply the thought that those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it, mm. okay, we take Huge. we take that and apply it. Okay, go back all the way to Adam and Eve. They were they had a perfect supply chain, everything around them they needed. Um, they were told not to eat a certain of a certain tree or plant or bush, whatever the, the the forbidden fruit. They ate it and they got kicked out of the of their perfect existence and now they're like hey we get to fend for ourselves and that's good for man god said it's good for man and that by the sweat of thy brow shalt thou work all the days of thy life that's good for them well then fast forward jump a little bit wait 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 lots of jumping um you know enoch see how fast i jumped forward enoch Mm -hmm. and his whole city became bug out city they were taken away they were lifted up Moses, I mean, I don't want to, I almost jumped to Moses, but uh, let's stop at Noah. Noah had a bug out ark, a BOA, and he <laughs> took everything into the ark. I never thought of it this way, but this is kind of like this, there's, there's applications here. So roll with me. So then, you know, let's fast forward Moses, right? Well, well let's, let's stop at Joseph, Joseph of Egypt first. The Pharaoh's like, we got seven bad years and seven good years. Didn't know what it meant. You just saw the seven cattle and the seven corns and everything was, was, was there. And he was like, if you don't figure this out, you're dead. Okay. If you don't figure this out, you're dead. And Joseph's like, oh yeah, you're going to have seven really good years followed by seven really bad years. And they put up in store. 
So they had a bug in scenario. And then his brothers who'd sold him into slavery and then lied to their father, they were in, they were at risk and they're like, we've got to bug out. We can't stay here anymore. Let's go over there. They've got resources. And the price was they lost their, their liberty for their future generations. And then Moses bugged out of Egypt with all all of the, the Jews, the, all, all of the 12 tribes. And they were on, on their journey. Notice that it wasn't solo. It wasn't, you know, out, you know, gray man, lone wolf. It was a group. Now we look at our day and we've seen the financial cycles repeat over and over and over. Every time they go to fiat currency, it lasts, it only lasts so long and then it crumbles. You look at the governments, government systems only work so long until they crumble. Every time it's been a democracy, which they're forcing on everybody, they are destined to fail. So absolutely, we can look at the past, learn from the past, and apply it towards our future. So what's coming down the pipeline for us? Well, I, for me, it's more prepping because we've seen how this story ends from a biblical perspective. From an uh, economic perspective, we've seen how this story ends and transitions or changes or collapses, right? We've seen those things. And so what, what can we take from the past and learn from? Oh my gosh, if I could be Peabody and Sherman right now, Mr. Peabody and Sherman and time travel and go back and see things, you know, who I want to spend some time with right now, my great, great grandparents, they lived hand to mouth. Like the, like that generation, this is before, this is a hundred years. Well, not even hundred years. This is 80 years plus before the depression and the only thing that they didn't produce themselves were their tools and once they got the right tools they could produce everything else they needed they didn't have tools for their for their plows they, they didn't have the they, they when they got to the united states and they ended up migrating all the way west like so many of them they didn't have anything and they got to somewhere and they trade their work, their toil, their sweat to get money to be able to buy tools or trade, trade uh, eggs or, or meat um, or potatoes or whatever they could grow or use to, as a medium of exchange to get what they needed. And it's like, that's where we're headed. That's who I want to learn from. Yeah, that's where the, I think the word prepper is very limited mm -hmm. um, because it, it, it seems like those who began on this journey of being prepared, whether it's starting for three weeks, three months, uh, six months in a year, at that point, like, okay, where am I going with this next? When I go two years, when I go seven years? Uh, no, it's, it's about a complete lifestyle change. I mean, for me, and I think a lot of people I see out there is that, that once they, uh, people see what's coming and they realize, oh, you know what, I need to, I need to make a change and not just that change of storing more stuff, but uh, realizing that all that stuff you store is not going to last forever mm -hmm. and that you've got to come up with a way to, to get more in particular food. Right. Right. Um, so the, the homesteading kind of is uh, the, the next word, the next level of prepping, right? Is I'm not a prepper anymore. I'm a homesteader. I've changed my life. I'm, I'm living out on my own land. I'm working my land. That's a, that's a big, long process. I mean, that, I mean, for me, and you, some people can maybe take the jump, but, um, <laughs> but again, like you're saying, Scott, this is, you know, going back a hundred years, 80 years to our ancestors and, 
and changing the way we live, realizing that our normal, it wasn't normal back then. It would, would have seemed extremely abnormal. Say, oh, no, I don't have a garden. I just have a job and I buy stuff from everybody and I don't produce anything. I just take, right? Um, where the key to an, an, any economic cycle is the production side. It's not the purchasing side, right? Here in the U.S., all we do is buy stuff. We don't make anything. We make very little, right? Compared to China and other countries. We just, we just take. We print and we, and we, we take. Uh, we need to change that completely and be producers, at least of our own food and whatever we can. I think, I think that's an example of where the microeconomy always wins. Got to start. You know, if you look at macroeconomics and microeconomics, like the study of it is phenomenal. Like the big stuff, the macro, like world's banking, international banking, the, the different things going on from government to government, like it gets big, right? And huge supply chains. But when you have a tiny little micro system, it's so much easier to manage and prevent loss and, and to keep everybody afloat, right? It's, it's really phenomenal. Like you go back, you know, those three, four generations and you, and you see like when it's, when it's time to harvest, how many people come out to help everybody harvest? Like how many stories have you read? How many family histories have you gone through where the entire community goes to help so-and-so finish pulling up all their like sugar beets, huge in Utah, right? Potatoes, huge in Idaho, corn, huge in the Midwest. Like they'll go out and everyone will work together to harvest. And there's this huge harvest. And then they have this huge um, harvest ball or not harvest ball, but like a, a big party end of the season party where everyone and they celebrate because they all worked so hard to get everything taken care of for the season. And it's like communities really came together for that. And throughout the year, if there's an issue, you could, you knew who to rely on because they were there helping you go down the rows in the field to take care of things. And that's, that's what I think we're losing as a society and what we need to start rebuilding and, and working towards is really focusing on community really focusing on transferable skills, like the skills that will help your community. Look at where's the gaps and what things need to be solved. And I'll go learn those things. You're going to yep. see different skills and gaps than somebody else. And if we focus on the things that interest us in fixing that, we're going to be 10 times more valuable to each other. If you think about the history of the world, I mean, whether you go with the biblical timeline and you know, or six or so thousand years, or you go with the whatever timeline, it, either way, thousands of years, people lived off the land. They lived, and even, you know, a lot of people will say, well, with modern technology, we can live longer and we have better lifespans. Well, I don't know. Abraham was 140 or 30 or 40. Like I, the average lifespan today is 85. That to me seems like we went the wrong direction. So what were these yeah. guys doing back then? They were, they were living in a more natural state. They were living with the skills. They were, they were, and Abraham was even a kind of a wanderer. He didn't really have a place where he stayed for, you know, as a permanent place, he went around and, and he was the father of the, the house of Israel, you know, the grandfather, sorry. So I just think about in the grand scheme of the history of the world, you know, the last hundred years is what's that? That's like a fraction of a 1% or something of the whole time where the majority of our history has been agricultural. It's been mm -hmm. um, where we all had skills and did our own thing. And then you look at these societies over time where like um, I think Scott shared this on our last podcast. He shared that, you know, uh, uh, strong men create good times and good times create weak men. And then weak men create bad times. And then bad times create strong men. 
And so it's that whole reality of you get, you really work hard. You, you have to build up your own society and then another generation or two goes by and everybody's living off the fruit of the labors of the generation or two beyond. And yeah. we don't have to work hard because we're living off the fruit. We got all the trees were planted. The crops were grown. We're just living off the fruit. And that's when that collapse, every civilization that has had a significant collapse is when you get these lazy entitled people that are just living off the fat and living off the fruit of the work and the backs of the people, whether it was the people at the time or whether it was the generation before that's mm-hmm. always when a collapse comes. And right now, I don't know, I don't know about time in recent history where we've been so entitled and that's why I'm seeing some mm-hmm. of this collapse moving forward. So yes, absolutely. We have to look to the past to be ready for the future. And, and we're in a position right now where we've got a generation that wants to live off the fruit of the mm-hmm. previous generation and, or just live off the fruit of the government. And so that everybody else like, well, that I want the government to pay for everything. Well, where do you think the money, money comes from? <laughs> you, you can't they print get, it. Yeah, right. It, it, the people who don't want to work, want to live off the backs of the people who want to work and the people who want to work eventually aren't going to work because they can't enjoy the fruit of their own labors. Cause it's their tax so hard. So that's just, we just want to be, yeah. The ones, the those of us that are working so hard, we just want to be left alone. Yep. If, if we're allowed to just work hard and take care of our needs, like we don't have to work all the time. The reason we have to work all the time right now is because of freaking taxes from the people that don't want to work. We well, just yeah, want to take. And, and you know, I, I think regardless, you know, we need to work. We wouldn't be working all the time, but it would be in different ways, right? Not mm-hmm. working f- for the man, as they say, right? Working yeah. for the man away from the family. Uh, I was curious about this and, and before part of my show prep is I was looking back when did these things change? You know, when was like a noticeable change uh, in our lifestyle? And, and the first thing I came across is really the end of World War II, right? Uh, where everything, I mean, there was a real boom there in industry and in home building and, and uh, births, right? A lot of stuff just the really boomed. Boomers. Yeah, at the time, that was a big boom. And what I also learned is that during that time, right about that time, when all these houses were, were being built, that's really kind of when uh, the front yard, the lawn was not, I wouldn't say introduced, but became mainstream is having a, having a grass for your lawn instead of, instead of gardens, right? Uh, I look back all the way to like 1800. Take a guess at how many people were involved in agriculture in 1800? What would they, what percentage of the population? What would you say? What was your guess? 95 75 percent 75 percent high 70s uh, low 80s but yeah of the american population were directly engaged in agriculture and so that's hard work right we're never going to get out of work right it's just what kind of work mm-hmm. what quality of work um is we're doing is you know are we doing something meaningless meaningless sitting at a desk or are we striving and struggling for our own survival every day by gardening and and, and building you know getting our own food out of the ground when you're building for yourself, it's so much different. I, I'll sweat and bleed and callous my hands. If I know it's mine and I can have it, that, that ownership, mm-hmm. that's what life, liberty, and property are all about. That's the whole pursuit of happiness is to be able to have, I'm going to, my labor into something that I get to keep and own and have as my own that I'll, I'll die for that. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that's one of the 10 commandments, you know, thou shalt not steal. God believes in uh, property ownership, right. In, in us, um, taking something and 
creating it, calling it our own, right? Whether it's taking a piece of land and, and turning it into something valuable that, that produces crops that you can sell and or to others and make an income on, right? So yep. it's all part of the plan. That's all part of what we're here for, right? Well, it's like you, you become such an amazingly well-rounded person when you work on those things. Like I've found that since, since getting back into gardening, I'm so much more at peace about just everything. Spending time, like caring for something else, helping something else grow is hugely beneficial. Um, watching the whole movement towards homesteading again is probably been one of the most joyful things to see happen. Um, and a lot of the, the preppers are moving to homesteading um, or at least incorporating homesteading. And I'm seeing so many people, even non-preparedness-minded non people, tons of them are going into homesteading on the right and on the left. They're like, this is all crazy. I'm going to have, I'm going to go get some ducks and some chickens in the garden. Mm -hmm. And, and they're simplifying life in so many ways. And I'm like, wow, I don't have to do everything I was doing before. It's a different type of work, right? It might be more manual labor, but it, it's, people are finding that they're appreciating it more and they're enjoying it more. And and one of the interesting things is, you know, the government wants everyone to come to cities because in cities you can, you can control things better. Mm -hmm. You can't control someone who has their own land, who has their own water supply, and who has, who has their own utilities figured out. Not that you even necessarily need them. There's ways around it. <laughs> so many family members that, that grew up without it completely. You know, it was, it was my... My grandparents were the first ones that actually had electricity in their homes. My great-grandparents wow. didn't until they were adults. That's a big shift all of a sudden. And now, like, we can't even think of how would we live without it. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't. We already know that. We know that uh, this world would go into chaos mm -hmm. without, without power. Because they created we're, a dependency we're so on it. it. So, yeah. yeah so, so, I think prepping is just a stepping stone to then becoming more self-sufficient self-reliant and i guess the right word was you know i, I don't know if they even called that self-reliant back in the 1800s when everybody's you know 75 percent of people were working in agriculture i don't know if you call that self-reliant maybe they did maybe they just called it life right mm -hmm. remember they used to call it the simple life right mockingly they would mm -hmm. call oh you're living the simple life yeah, yeah, I got to get out of this. Yeah. I got to make my life complex in the simple city, right? Right, and they 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 glamorized it. See, and here's now, something every, you know, people have bought into it. Yeah, here's something I wanted to share with you guys. I came across this Indian proverb uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it really hit me hard. It, it's it's uh, this is what it says: uh, Wisdom comes only when you stop looking for it and start living the life your Creator intended for you. Ooh. and that wow. just really struck me so hard and man you know how i get I, I get i get teary when the spirit hits me man that just that shook me because uh, you know we all have to have our nine to five jobs i mean because we've set ourselves with the mortgage and the car payments you know and the insurance and all that and then you, you struggle through that and you realize this is not what what i thought i'd be doing when i was mm -hmm. 14 right I was going to be a photographer or whatever, be traveling the world, you know, whatever it might have been. But, uh, hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Once you, I think, get to that point, you're like, you know, things need to change and they don't... And they don't typically want to, you want to change for the more complex. You know, I want to move to the city. I want to get a tiny mm-hmm. apartment. I want to work for the man in an office. I want to walk or ride the subway. No, no, it's the opposite, right? It goes the other way. Uh, you don't want to live the, the box life? To me. I mean, like a box car right on now. the way to work. Where I am right now, you know? This, this is where I, I am right now. Showing off the cattle. Yeah, so Are they out there? I don't see they're, them. They're gone. They're up on the mountain now. So, oh, there you nice. go. Cooler, cooler grounds. But yeah, it's the box life. Like we we were sold a box and we go sit in a cubicle at work, right? Or a little office, a box. We sit in our box with four wheels and drive to that location. You know, we, we we're tied to a building. We've got our space in that building, apartments and, and even homes like right next to each other. You know, there's not enough land where, where I live or more importantly, there's not enough water where I live to make the land usable enough year round to grow you know there's parts of the world if you look at the um go east as soon as you hit the plains their waterfall the waterfall is completely different the rainfall is completely different you need a lot less land to be Mm self-sufficient right and and back in the day when they were parceling all these all the land out as they're expanding the united states it was based on rainfall and it was amazing when I learned that family just... needed to support itself, depending on where in the West they yep. ended up being. Yes. Yeah, some places from... 40 acres, some places 4,000 acres, you know? Yeah. I went from 40 acres to 4,000 in like in Idaho, it's 4,000. And I'm like, how do you work 4,000 acres? Well, it's just, that's where that you need that much water coming out of the land to be able to produce everything you need. So yeah, there were so many people that homesteaded in Idaho when Idaho first became a thing that, they they gave up because it was too hard mm-hmm. you know and that's the thing that's about the, the weak box men. life you know that's i think where it came from is like when times get good you know men get weak and they see oh look how simple this would be for me to live in a small box and not have land to take care of and all i gotta do is go sit at this desk all day and then you know it makes it simple mm-hmm. or maybe I easy you the, know i can go to the store and it'll already mm-hmm. be there for me Stores it'll be harvested. i don't have to go but a mile you know you don't need cities. you don't really need what's at the store i i just had an epiphany you, we need to start thinking outside of the box like prepping and homesteading is outside of the box if you look back in history and the people who were the most happy were living outside of the box like true joy true happiness we can choose to be happy but it's it's experiencing the hard times it's experiencing the sorrows and just loving the joyful times right and and appreciating the hard times and i think there's another element to that that came to my mind not too long ago is you know that you hear all these authorities talk about how oh there's parts of the world that they live only on only two dollars a day they're poor this is poverty it's terrible those people are some of the happiest people on earth and that's a mm-hmm. fact, you know, they're not stuck 
they, they're not uh, shackled to debt and all the the possessions that we have they live a very simple life and people feel bad for them you know um you know that oh we need to bring civilization uh, to these people um and there was the movie um and, and i'm trying to remember what it's called it was with harrison ford and he the, he and his family moved to the amazon because they wanted to get away from civilization but then he took civilization to the amazon and ruined it you know that's the, the way it happens i guess Bring i'm like California what movie was Utah. that yeah it was called uh it'll come to me but mosquito mosquito coast is that right <laughs> But uh, it's a very interesting, he makes ice, you know, he, he said, ice is civilization, but we moved away because we wanted to get away from civilization, but then he mm -hmm. brings civilization to the, the, the jungles. It's just a very interesting show. My brother but, lived in uh, Cape Verde, which is off the coast of Portugal and West Africa, actually. Yeah, it's just, mm -hmm. it's an island that's a volcano and he was a missionary there. And uh, he said the kids would kick cans down the road as soccer balls. And they were the happiest kids ever. They would create with bottle caps. They would create these little cars. And he brought back a car that he'd found one of the kids had made. And it was a, like, instead of matchbox or, you know, the cars that we can buy at the store, they would make them. And they, so they had a skill set. And see, were some of the happiest kids ever. I see kids today that are, I mean, what do we have today? We have high suicide rates. We have mm -hmm. people that are depression and anxiety and panic attacks and all this stuff. And I think to myself, is it worth it? It's literally the consequences. We're seeing the fruit of where we've, what we've done to ourselves and for ourselves. If we, I don't remember, I don't, there's nowhere in, well, there's a few places in the Bible that talk about people having some crazy experiences, but you realize that most people, that there wasn't any of these diseases back then. There were other diseases, of course, but there weren't some of the ones we have today. And some of those diseases that were back then have been eradicated. So we're, I'm grateful for the modern technology for that. However, I think we've created a whole new set of different ones to substitute for those with our own, you know, with all this anxiety and stress and everything that we, we bring upon people. Stress yeah. is one of the biggest causes mm -hmm. of disease ever. And, you know, we look at um, our life. It's, it's, it's pretty darn easy. We have heated homes. We have air-conditioned homes. Back in the days before power in particular, right, what did most families do all year long? It was preparing for winter, right? All year mm -hmm. long was getting ready for winter to make store up for winter. Uh, and so we might call that prepping, right? You just might, you know, th think, oh, that was normal, right? Oh, we got to get the seeds in the ground as quick as we can because we need to get uh, this crop up and get another crop in before we get freezes again. And it was all about preparing for the winter uh, for the hard times, right? Yep. With, and, and, you know, and I look back and, and my, the biggest influence in my life when I was a kid was little house on the prairie right did you guys oh, watch yeah. that oh yeah love that show that was yep. love that show and i didn't probably didn't really appreciate it as much until obviously i got older started watching again my wife she had it it was on tv and she would watch it and she got every single movie she got a whole cd you know dvd stack watching all these and i wish she would watch them some more now because it would probably help her be a better prepper too right but uh a lot of lessons to be learned from the Ingalls family and how they live, you know, and, and, uh, they were always, yeah, they, they were always engaged in a righteous cause, I tell you. And it seemed like it was a lot of times in for survival, right? It was, mm -hmm. it was about their survival and that's the way it's been there's, for thousands of years, right? There's or someone else's a lot of time they were helping someone else. Mm -hmm. And that life is so yeah. much better when you're actually making a difference, whether it's for yourself or for someone else. You know, I shared this a few weeks ago, just 
had an opportunity to serve and I was like, my goodness, this makes you feel so good to help somebody else. And that was one of the things I always loved about that show is like, oh, they're mm-hmm. helping so-and-so this they're week. They're always helping somebody. Oh, else. so-and-so is lost in the woods or, you know, mm-hmm. someone's missing, you know, and someone's in a bind jumps too. community shows up and goes help them plow their field or harvest their crops or whatever, dig a ditch mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. That was a big part of the show. I think a and, cool thing that they people used to do back then was like barn raising. Didn't they do yeah. barn raising? And they, they could help you build your house. Build a house, build a barn, yeah. Super cool stuff. Well, like, yeah, like, like you guys did, now. come out to my property, help me build that, build the Quonset. Right, the Quonset. Yep. Quonset. We raised a Quonset in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of it, most of it. Part, most, you know, most of it, yeah. We, it was raised, it, but... it wasn't finished. Yeah. But like the Amish will raise a whole barn in a day. And probably finish it as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like I was watching this most fantastic video about the Amish last year and they were showing how there was a flood coming and this guy's barn was in danger and the entire community came out and I'm like, there's no, how are they going to move this? Like they're going to have to tear the whole thing down and move it. And they lifted the whole barn and, and this thing is it enormous, feet. right? It's like a, like hundred by a hundred, this huge barn. Oh, it wasn't that what? big. It was no, like, I, 50 I've by... seen them move huge, huge yeah. structures like, <laughs> but like they'll just each, each person lifts where they stand. You know, there's there's a, a talk by um, Dieter Uchtdorf, who he's talking about they need to move this piano. And everyone's like, well, let's figure this out. We're going to do it this way. And we'll, they like oh, overly man. complicate it in so many thousands of ways. And one guy just goes, why don't we all just lift where wherever we're standing? Like, let's just lift where we stand and move this thing. And they did. And they moved it. And it's like, that's what the Amish were doing. Lift where you stand. Like, wherever you are, do something. Lift. Make a difference where you are. For yourself, for your family, for for community, like, and if you look through the history of prepping, that's what they did. Like, and now we're seeing the cycle come back where the weak, the the weak men have created such soft times, or or or, or basked in such soft times that they're now going to be very very hard times, mm-hmm. and it's going to take those who are awake now, you, you people who are listening to this, are the ones that are going to thrive in what's coming next. Is it going to be fun? <laughs> no. But are you going to have fun? Absolutely. That's up to you. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the most horrible thing that's ever happened to you? Probably not. Is it going to be bad? Yeah. Wasn't other things that you've gone through bad? The things that have made you better? Those are bad too, right? So when we, when people start freaking out about everything, it's like, man, this is, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to grow you in so many ways. And you're going to be such a better person if you let it do its job on you these tough times. And the movement to homesteading and to prepping and the more self-reliant lifestyle, it's like it's flourishing right now. There are so many people that are going to be in a better situation in two years than they are right now, even though times are going to be tougher. Mm -hmm. And that's the side of the group that I want to be on. Like, and it's funny because I meet super liberal homesteaders and I meet super conservative homesteaders and I meet more than anything, the, the people kind of in the middle, more of the libertarian kind of group, but the, just the people that just want to have a higher quality of life and recognize that I can take care of a lot of the stuff that I thought I couldn't take care of before. Mm-hmm. It's easier than we thought. Like it's been made to look really hard. Yep. It's been made to look almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Like we're rocky and, and 
living a self-sustained lifestyle is Ian Dragov, right? Like he's going to beat the crap out of us, but we're going to come back in the next Rocky and beat him. Right. But we got to go to Russia to train to make that happen. No, you don't just get back to the basics, get in the barn. If you don't have a barn, build a shed, like start somewhere small, have Mm -hmm. fun, learn, learn, get your hands dirty, learn skills. That's what, I mean, that's what they did. I look back at how many, how many of our grandpas and great grandpas and great grandma. Oh my gosh, my grandma, she could do almost anything. Like I, I, I could never second guess where her limits were because she could figure it out and do it. You know, those are the, those are the types of people we're going to be turning into in the next five years, decade. Like that's the type of people we're going to become again. People who are so capable that we're going to blow the minds off the box people. Mm-hmm. Like the person you you're like the person who's sitting there now and that's afraid is like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. You look at yourself in five years, you will be absolutely floored and impressed in so many ways as to who you are. If you let this build you into something better, otherwise you, you'll, you'll be dead. You know, one of the yeah, two. or you'll be dead. Yeah. Right. And it's because you're taking action that's going to give you the chance to build into that better person, to grow into who you're meant to be, to be capable. And that's the, that's the thing. Prepping isn't about, hey, I bought a box, a box of food storage. It's about knowing how to take care of things. And so, yeah, prepping, not the best word. Yeah, I've been awesome trying is to, the right to word. find a, yeah, trying to find a, a, a different word. Uh, that would be more appropriate, but I haven't come across it yet. Just, uh, yeah, just a human. Just, just yeah, yeah, just, just being human, alive. Human, human I know being, that my, yeah. over the last little while, my wife has learned how to make quilts and she makes the most beautiful quilts. I mean, that to me is a lost art form in, in many ways because mm-hmm. yeah. I, in fact, she actually bought all this material and she bought all this stuff and she was going to sew and she was going to make all this. And I said, How much does all that cost? And she told me, I says, It's cheaper to just buy one. But I realized, wait a minute, she's learning a skill Mm -hmm. and that is going to, that's worth more than the money we spent to buy all the materials, all the fabrics and everything else. And she's actually been able to repurpose some of that fabric and make more than one or two or three quilts. And now it's actually better. It's actually a better deal. And you take some of your old worn out clothes and you turn those into new quilts, right? My favorite quilts are those denim jean ones that you took took all your old jeans or the ones where it's like all your old t-shirts. I've got one with my name stitched in it. There you go. So those are the coolest things because it's like you can hand those down from generation to generation. That quilt you just go bought from somewhere else. It was made yeah. in some factory by people who were being paid a little, far too little. Mm-hmm. That thing lasts a few years. But that quilt that you made by hand, like those things yeah. are, man, and those has, things And last. it has no meaning, right? It has no, mm-hmm. no, no sentiment attached to it. Yeah. I yeah, still have, sure. I still have a blanket that my grandma crocheted for me. And I, I love that thing. Mm-hmm. It's an Afghan blanket. Or, is that what it's called? Afghan blankets? I don't know. The knitted yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. And she made that for me. And, like and that. I got it when I graduated high school. She made one for every grandchild. Those are the most amazing. Most they last forever too, seems like. Just they're, they're the best. Because they have sentimental value. But they're also, hey, guess what? They're American made. You don't have to worry <laughs> about it. Like they're American made. Like it yeah, was made in America. Made. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was made in, in Idaho. It's Idaho made. But like whatever you're making is going to be way more valuable than anything else you're buying because the 
the time that you put into it, the, the things that you learn as you're going through it, the things you figure out and your mind starts working in a different way because then you start problem solving everything else out. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in, unless we make a conscious choice to turn this way and, and do these things, we're going to be compelled to anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Things are changing to where we can't get things. And I don't know that that's going to get much better. I mean, it may be for a short while and then it'll get to the point where we can't get anything. So we're going to have to, do these things ourselves, right? Yep. Become more industrious. And so might as well choose to make that that step. And and maybe, yeah, you maybe you make blankets, maybe you make horseshoes. I mean, who knows? Uh, but try and figure something out. And I know I'm still working on on figuring out uh, you know, what skills, what trade I want to try and take off out here in the in the country here and uh, something I can do out here. Well, even um, if you just take an hour a day and do something, I, somebody says that it, an hour a day is tw- only 4% of your day. But if you compound an hour a day for three or four or five years, you're going to be so much further along the road. I mean, you're going to be three or four or five years old, older anyways. Mm-hmm. You might as well have a skill set along with it. I mean, if you're going to get old and <laughs> you might as well have something that you can provide as a skill set along, along, the, along the way as well. So that's something that's definitely uh, worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. You know, going back to that video clip you played at the beginning, um, you know, were there preppers 10,000 years ago? Um, I think there were nothing but preppers, right? That's why everybody was a prepper. You know, they, they, they did, I think, truly foresaw what the things that were coming because, well, first of all, they weren't uh, bombarded with propaganda every day. You know, all is well, go bye, 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 right? Um, and they they were probably had no shoes they were grounded to mother earth right they were working there the earth they were in touch with her and they could see when things were off kilter right when oh the weather's not quite the same as what it should be are we expecting a storm or or an early frost or whatever right they knew those kind of things where we're just completely out of touch we have to pull out the smart what's the weather like instead of looking outside oh look yeah, you my know, sm- my cell phone said what time? What how, exactly? Oh, what's, 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 like, no, it's raining. It's beautiful. It's it, love it. Um, and instead of worrying about that, you just go on with your life, and and you get wet. <laughs> You're on the field, mm-hmm. you get wet. Oh well, so, it's not the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in that video, I mean, clearly there's a period. Of, it shows the human nature. There's a group of people that are just la da da. You know, everything's going to stay the same. We just keep doing our thing and they're not paying attention. It's the people. I think what I really got most out of that video that with, with um, Joe Rogan and, and that Randall guy was that the people who are paying attention, who are aware, they're self-reliant, they're self-aware, they're situationally aware. They're, they're watching the signs. They're watching the communities. They're watching the government. They're watching, they're watchful people who watchful are watchful and involved. Yeah. And involved because you can't just sit on the sidelines and expect everything to go, you know, the wrong direction. People need to realize that right now, part of the reason why we are in such a dire strait is because too many people have been sitting around waiting for somebody else to do something. Mm-hmm. We got to get up and off of our assets and we got to start doing some work. Well, we got to change the government right now if we can. We got to change the, the political scene if we can. We got to change, we got to start local, think global, start local, act local. But do things every day that we can better our situation. And that's not just, you know, learning how to woodwork or be a carpenter. It might be go out to your school board and make sure that your kids are getting taught the right things in the school so that your next generation is going to grow up 
-hmm. with those same skill sets, with that same mentality, with that same self-reliance, uh, that ability to then take the, because you don't want to be 80 years old and you're physically incapable and all your grandkids ran the world into to hell in the handbasket. And you're like, now what do I got to do? I just, gotta, you know, you don't want that either. So we got to, we got to teach the next generation. And that's how leaders really work. Leaders make and create more leaders. And that's what we, I'm looking forward to. That's what I teach my kids. Look, we're yeah. leaders. Who is it that said, and I think it was Ronald Reagan that said that, uh, um, not communism, but essentially communism was only one generation away or loss of freedom was only one generation away. Right. And, you know, I look at my kids and I look back to my parents and, and see the difference between the way my parents raised us and kind of refused to change, uh, as, as, uh, things got more and more, uh, uh, uh involved with technology and, and everything. And they, you know, didn't catch up. And, and I understand that now, you know, I don't mm -hmm. want to, I don't want to be that person. You know, I, I want to be uh, kind of stuck where I'm at. I don't want to change. And uh, I want my kids to be more like me, which they're not there. I mean, they're taking, they're going their own ways. Right. And I think that's inevitable. There's nothing I can do about that. Well, there's very little I can do about that, I guess, but uh, at least I can set the example and say, you know what? My parents, they hold, held the line. I can say that they held the line as hard and as long as they could and tried not to change and keep us from, from uh, departing in that path, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I guess I'm trying to do the same too. It's like, you know what, hold back, hold back, you know, come up to the property here. Let's, let's turn some dirt over. Let's do some work, right? Uh, whereas they, no, we want to go skateboarding or swimming or play video games or whatever, you know. That's yeah. a hard thing to for me to cope with at the moment, you know, it's, uh, I'm up here by myself, you know, uh, the son wanted to take a break for this weekend. You know, he usually comes up with me and it's in good times, but, uh, things change and, uh, I'm not so keen on that anymore. I don't think. Well, and he's also that age where it's harder. Yeah. It's I mean, tough he's inundated with things, but it's harder. Cause he, he wants to be his own man too. I, I remember at that age, my dad would have me working with him at, and he was paying me at his job sites. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be there. My, all my friends were going to Six Flags and I'm like, I want to go to Six Flags. But well, I was you like, need no, you to go to Six Flags, right? And I'm like, but I want to go to Six Flags. I mean, I grew up in Colorado. It was actually called Elitch Gardens. Now it's Six Flags. Haven't been there since it changed its name, but I, I, was, I was so bent. I wanted to go that I actually walked off the job. Mm -hmm. I don't think my dad's ever been so mad at me. I'll have to ask him if there's other times. That was probably peak, peak time angry. And I walked home like five miles to get home through these neighborhoods and, and weird trails. But um, did my friends go? No, no, they did not. Those jerks did not go. They hyped it up pretty good, but they didn't go because they didn't have jobs to have money to be able to go do that. Their parents weren't going to just pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I learned a very valuable lesson. I was, I was not allowed to go back to work for my dad. I lost my job because I was a dummy. But it created in, in me a desire to actually work more and actually figure things out. And the next year, when the next summer, when I had an opportunity to work, I got a job that paid almost as good as my dad's, but it required me to be even more responsible. And I took all the lessons I learned from my dad and apply it. And it's like, your son is going to take all those lessons he's learned from you out on the property, building a Quonset with all these weird guys that are your friends and your brothers, you know, his uncles, like he's learning from those things. And, and that, you know, pair same thing with your kids and same thing with my kids. Like we're teaching them. And if we can teach them, not just by 
what we tell them, but more by example and involvement, we're going to save that next generation the same way our, our parents helped us. Mm-hmm. And that's what is, I think that's why preparedness, that's why prepping, you throw the air quotes around. Like it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a catchy phrase or a catchy name or tagline or, or, or sort of title for a little bit about what, what it is, but it's, it's, it's really understanding our heritage and understanding the possibilities of where we can go and simplifying so that we're in tune with God, simplifying so that we know his plan and that we align with his plan because his plan is always better than ours. Mm-hmm. His plan is always better than ours. And those people in that video that knew what was going on, they were in tune with God too. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Yep. And it goes back to your Indian proverb too, Shane, that wisdom is, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, what you're put here to do. And there's no better way I've ever found to know what I'm supposed to do than in prayer and prayer to God and has say, Hey, what do I do? What do you want me to do? What do I need to be doing? Who's the man that you want me to be? And it's always better than the man that I ever thought I was, you know, could Mm -hmm. create or make up for myself. So that's, that's legit. That's really true. So thanks again, guys, for watching or listening for the next, for the last uh, 45 minutes or so. We really appreciate your time. We appreciate you spending some time with us and hope that you're getting some value out of our podcast and out of our video. On, if you're on watching on YouTube, we really want to help people be prepared and be ready for what's coming out, uh, coming to, to the world. And we recognize that by looking to the past, we really can be prepared and ready for the future. There's, there's some great stories throughout history. There's some great stories in the old Testament, the new Testament and other books, other civilizations that have great heroes that rose up and did things that we would call today as preppers and had foreknowledge and used that skill set of being self-reliant to, to better their situation. And we really want you guys to re- recognize that we, we have a lifestyle that we've loved and we want to share it with you guys. So we're so grateful that you spent the time listening. Um, make sure you hit up our website, preppertalkradio.com. You uh, add, add your email to our email list so that we can stay in touch and stay in contact whenever we have any events or any products or services that might be of value to anybody. There's things that we all need to get in order to be prepared and be ready. And so we might as well work together to find each other the best deals. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we want to do. And one of those best deals that we've ever found is a place called Jace Medical. Jace Medical has what's called the Jace case, and it's a a supply of antibiotics. They um, have a link or we have a link in the description below where you can click that link. If you use the code prepper talk, you'll get $10 off your order. We did an interview with uh, the CEO of Jace uh, Medical, uh, Sean Roland, Dr. Sean Roland, a couple of podcasts ago. So if you go back and, and listen to that, I think you'll get a lot of value out of it and why that's yeah, so important. It was, it was really good yeah, during that talk. So thank you again for being with us. Thanks for staying ready-minded and uh, stay ready. Get ready, stay ready, and be ready. We'll talk to you next week.